And welcome, everybody, to another amazing episode of the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter. And for those of you watching on video, you'll see I'm not alone. For, but those of you listening in the audio-only format, I am joined today by Thomas T.J. Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson is running for uh, House District 45. House District 45 uh, against Killian Timoney. He's the current Republican incumbent there. So um, thank you all for joining us. Like I said, as always, please like, comment, share, subscribe. If you're listening to this on Facebook or wherever, you can always listen to the audio-only version. Uh, it's available on any major podcasting platform, iHeart, you know, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Great places. Please listen if if you like the show, leave a five-star review. And if you don't like the show, uh, don't review it because nobody cares about your opinion. Okay, so with that being stated, thank you. There's somebody here to laugh at my jokes. Um, so with that being stated, let's dig into it now. Now, Thomas, I want to deal with the elephant in the room. Your name is Thomas Jefferson. Um, some could say that is a blessing for somebody that has decided to get into politics. Uh, how'd you end up with uh, such a monumentous name. Well, Andrew, uh, it, it, thank you for having us, having me number one, but, uh, my great, great, great grandfather went ahead and did a family tree and found out that we had a relationship to Thomas Jefferson. So they decided to go ahead and start the family name up again. And I'm the fourth. Now it stops with me because I have two wonderful daughters, mm -hmm. uh, Stacy and Sarah, but obviously they can't, you know, forward the family uh, name anymore. No, uh, no, no. Women, women can have. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my wife went ahead because she's big into genealogy and she went ahead and traced it back as well. And it's through Thomas Jefferson's uncle, who, how we are related. Oh, to him. Okay. so it's kind of neat. So uh, you are related. Yes. Yes. That is your given name, Thomas Jefferson, the fourth. The fourth, Thomas Harper Jefferson, the fourth. Yes. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Cause you know, there's a politician that always runs against Thomas Massey who legally changed his name to George uh, Fucking Washington. <laughs> <laughs> now I did. I mean, over the years I was in the car business for 38 years and uh, over the years I sold three or four cars to George Washington really nice guy about six foot five black guy. And I mean, just great guy. I mean, right. he and I became good friends and over the years he would never go anywhere else other than just talk to me and we, you know, we do business. So, so your backgrounds, uh, cars, you're in cars for a long time. That is correct. I um, moved, I moved here from when I was 19 years old and, uh, just five years ago, of course that, you know, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll believe that. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I started, I started selling cars and I've had every position in the car business from selling to general manager, finance and everything, uh, for 38 years. And I retired about two and a half years ago. You know, DJ, I sold cars for a short little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, sold cars for like three months. I averaged in my first three months selling like 15, 16 cars a month, which I'm told is pretty good. It's great. That's, that's top salesman. Um, I was the top salesman, yeah. but I quit and I quit because um, I hated car sales managers. 
And what I realized was, is that some of the bad stuff about uh, buying a car was that the car sales manager was always breathing down the back of the salesman. Um, I remember once I was penciling my second deal of the day and my car sales manager yelled at me for not walking fast enough. So the next day I quit. Um, <laughs> where, what, uh, what kind of manager were you? What I pride myself in every store that I became a manager at, I was, I was in sales for three and a half years and then became in management after that. Uh, the turnover was very, very little. The reason why is I would never, ever mistreat the good people. I, you know, I thought about what they asked me to do as a salesman. I, I up, up into including getting their dry cleaning <laughs> when I wasn't with a customer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds or, about right. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. Go, go ahead. I need my dry cleaning picked up you know, down the road. You know, I'm not going to do that, but also, you know, presenting an offer from a customer. And if it wasn't presented in the correct fashion, I would have the manager cuss me. Yeah. And, yep. In there. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Cuss me and, and rip up the paper and say, present it correctly. I always vowed whenever I became a manager, that would not be the, the culture there. So that's good to hear. That's good to hear. So, um, car sales for, for some time, you know, sales is a high turnover industry. So I ask with your experience that you have from the car sales workforce participation rate, one of the biggest problems we have in Kentucky right now is that, um, you know, we have an abysmal around 55% oh, yeah. workforce participation from your experience managing, especially in what is traditionally a high turnover environment. What, what do you think we need to do to fix that? Well, problem. workforce participation, it, it comes down to people wanting to work. I mean, it just, and being in, in sales, period, it doesn't matter if it's cars, furniture, it, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of hours there. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't want to work a lot of hours. So we need to change that culture and encourage them to say, listen, if you want a better life, if you want to have a better life, then your family, your mom your mom and dad and stuff like that, you need to go ahead and work harder or just doggone give up. And I hate to say that, but a lot of them are giving up right now. They just say, I'd rather live in my mom and dad's uh, basement mm. and collect government subsidies and work part-time on a gig on the gig industry and, you know, and make 20 grand a year and be done with it talked about this on the podcast last couple of days at some point uh, about twofold. One was, is that, um, you know, it, it is a different world as far as the expense of thriving. Um, you know, cars, for an example, let's go to cars. Cars are more expensive now than they were even proportional to inflation. But at the same time, uh, the average new car has a lot more features and, you know, qualities that, cars didn't have 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so obviously, you know, that, that plays into part of what it costs. And so the cost of thriving is so much more than it used to be because of the level of luxury we have available to us. And because of that, um, as well as, is seeing so feeling like you can't succeed the younger generations to your point, they give up and they don't even try. How do we end that picture to them that they can succeed? Andrew, I think the definition of thriving has, has altered right now. 
when Denise and I got, uh, Denise is my bride of 37 years. Uh, I mean, I love her. She's the best thing in the world to me. But the thing is, when we got married, thriving meant we can afford a very, very entry-level house and pay our bills. And mm -hmm. she was working full-time as an accountant. And she was working for Long John Silver's over there on Harrodsburg Road. And I was a sales manager, well, a salesman, and then became sales manager at Conrad Chevrolet over on Richmond Road. And we could barely cover our expenses right there. But do you know what? We felt like we were doing well. Now, kids living in the basement of their family think that, you know what? I can just live here. I don't have any expenses. I can make 20 grand a year and stuff like that. And have everything I want. I can play video games. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm getting off the, the rails. No, there. no, no, no. Uh, I think it's important. I mean, we're talking about workforce participation. I, I believe the last numbers I saw is that 20% of what they call prime age workforce participation, which is that, uh, I believe they, they call it 22 to like 44 over, over 20% in Kentucky are not working. So 20% right. of the population that is um, has no excuse not to work really uh, is not working. Um, and, and I think you hit upon something important there where as, as you're saying that I was thinking about um, and how this generation has access to seeing all these peers and how they live. And, and to your point, I think the definition, and I think I mentioned this this week, once again, in the podcast, but our, the definition of success has changed. It has changed. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. $3 million house driving the newest upon newest car. You know, there's, there's no honor in just being able to pay your bills. Right. You I know? mean, over the years I saw in, in the car business, I, I, I've looked at, I was in finance for the, you know, gosh, 20 years. And I would see people that were making, you know, jointly three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year in income, and they were two paychecks away from being bankrupt. They they had a great house. I'm sure that half their house weren't, weren't even furnished by any means. I mean, because the thing is, they couldn't afford anything. Their car payments were 2000 of, and it was terrible. I mean, I, I would sit there and say, why are you trying to trade? And the reason why they're trying to trade is because because they wanted to keep up with the Joneses, and that's all it was. And I, I hate to see that. I really you ever do. seen that movie? Uh, with um, keeping up with the Joneses, it with was, the fake family. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think I do. Where it's like a, it's like a, it's a movie about a. Of course, it's a movie. I said it was a movie. Um, it's called. I think it's it's either called the Joneses or Keeping Up with the Joneses, and it's a family: a husband, wife, son, daughter. Uh, some daughter, you know, teenage high schoolers, but they're not really a family. They're right. a, a group of four people who are paid to go into a community, become influential. And then everybody wants the greatest, best stuff that they have. Right. And so companies it's use them. Yeah. Yeah. And companies use them to kind of sell their product. And it's, and it's uh, a, a great, I think, movie to comment on that consumerism. So wrapping it around. So why, um, why, why do you want to be in the legislature? Why are you running for state house? 
Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Well, I mean, you're retired, right? I you am could, retired. You could go on your way and, you know, continue on <laughs> down your path and live your life. Why would you want to want to worry about what's going on in politics? In Andrew, I've, I've asked that question a bunch of times. <laughs> and it comes down to my daughters always said that I was that guy that yelled at the TV. <laughs> you know what? About what's happening. And I didn't have time to make an effect for it. I do have time for it to make an effect. Now, fortunately, our state has the supermajority for the state and Senate for the Republican Party, but the 45th district does not have a conservative that has that voice. And I want to be that voice. I really do. Now, you hit upon something important there where you're talking about having the time because you are retired and 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 not that this is a knock on anybody who is working and also in the legislature. Not at all. Though. I do find that an interesting comment when we do look at your opponent, Timothy, um, who is a full-time employee while also a part-time legislature, but more importantly, he's a full-time employee at Fayette County Public Schools. And, you know, there's a saying that, um, uh, I believe it's biblical, that a, a man can't have two masters. And when you're being paid by a taxpayer-funded entity, Fayette County Public Schools, that's always going to our state legislature asking for more money. Well, you're also supposed to represent the people's interests in the state legislature. And considering over half of our general fund is budgeted towards K-12 through education, um, that certainly seems like it could be quite a conflict. Has, has that conflict played out into how he's voted on things? I think so. I mean, number one, I'm for school, school choice. Uh, and definitely he is not because he's in, you know employed by the Fayette County's public school system. He went ahead and voted against protecting girls' sports, allow, so allowed boys to go ahead and participate in girls' sports. And the thing is... Did, did he I, have any words to say about why he defended that? Or I didn't see any words about it. I just think he followed what he was supposed to follow so he mm. can get the tax dollar go to pack the pack money to go ahead and be reelected again. I might be wrong on that from, you know, but the thing is, why would you think that it's fair that a girl has to compete against a boy? So to illustrate your point, this is, um, I, I believe Zion Williamson, and he's playing against, uh, some female basketball player, Olivia, something or other. I can't remember the name. Um, at, uh, this is a dunk contest. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to play the first bit for you and then we can talk about it. Okay. Okay. Let's listen to the crowd. Listen to the crowd. Okay. And here she comes. Everyone's got their phones out. Come up and dunk. He's a little dunk. And look at that crowd going crazy.
I applaud that she can do it. Oh yeah. I mean, there's nothing about it. I mean, for it's, it's as, as we were talking about before, you know, my son uh, plays golf, right? And he's uh, 11 years old, even at his age, they separate the men and women, girls and boys out from playing against each other, even at his age. Now you think a bunch of 11 year old boys and girls playing golf, there shouldn't be that big of a difference. But even at that age, there's a good 20, 30 yard difference right. in how far they can drive the ball off the tee, uh, how far they can hit their farthest iron. I mean, and, and that's, that's 11 year olds. And so I don't think there's any question that there's a physicality difference here and that we, we specifically want women to compete with other women, but, but I don't understand. So, so you're running against this guy whose opinion was, is that, what that doesn't exist or does he just hate women's sports? I have no idea what his opinion is. I just know how he voted. And well, his votes tell you his opinion, right? Yeah. Um, what well, you would think so. I think men are superior in almost all sports. It comes down to if you have a men's team, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter if it's soccer, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. It doesn't matter. Even field hockey you would have a male, the the men's team, go ahead and beat the women's team. And I hate to say that. I mean, I, but it comes down to that's just what it is. Genetics are genetics. And what does – what? so if your opponent voted against protecting women's sports, mm-hmm. how do you vote when it came down to bills like um, Senate Bill 150, uh, transgender bills about transitioning children at a young age. How, how do you, how do you, how do you vote on that? I have, he voted against it and I have no idea why. He even voted against Senate Bill 150. He voted against 150 and voted against the override veto. So he voted against it twice. So it's not like he made a mistake the first time that he voted, but he went ahead and voted the second time to override the veto to protect people under 18 years of age and under from gender altering surgeries as well as puberty blockers. He voted and against that. He voted against that. He thinks it's pos- he thinks it's absolutely okay for a person to who can't get a tattoo because they're under 18, but they have, they have the wisdom to go ahead and say, you know what? I need to have a surgery that takes away my breasts or whatever it is, or go ahead and accept chemicals that will go ahead and, uh, you know, inhibit my advancement in puberty. Um, we got Timney. He, he, he voted, uh, he wanted the, the girls, there to compete against boys. Right. Wanted little girls and little boys to be able to uh, permanently disfigure themselves and and destroy their futures by taking these drugs here. Um, right. And the thing is, it, what it, what what has been the most? Okay. Let let's change let's change things here. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So we know he's socially very liberal. Um, he is. What has um, Timony done that is conservative? I don't know of anything. Now he did pass. um, He did outlaw um, 
was it those uh skilled gray games yeah he, he sponsored the bill on the gray machines i guess he really likes government monopolies because we know he's not against gambling because he voted for sports betting right well the thing is he did vote for sports betting right yes he did he voted for sports betting but sponsored the bill to get rid of the gray machines is he what what did it cost the horse parks to buy him how much was it I have no idea how much it costs, but you're going to find out. I'm going to find out (laughs) when they're dumping it in this election right here. If they're (laughs) going to dump a bunch of money, because the thing is, I'm against monopolies. Here's the thing, whether you're for or against these gray machines and gray machines are basically slot machines that are in your local bars, your local convenience stores, but also in what the the horse like, you know, yeah, Red they mile have, and Red stuff mile like that. They've got slot machines too. Why would you have a, a monopoly for just the horse industry and cut out the mom and pop industries if you're going to allow legalized gambling? I mean, am I for legalized gambling? No, not really. But the thing is, if it's going to be available in some places, make it available in all places so the little mom and pop shops could go ahead and pay the rent and make a small profit off of it. No, I mean, that makes, am I wrong in saying uh, no, that? no, no. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, and that's, that's a lot of ways how I feel too. I personally don't like gambling. I certainly don't like when I hear people talk about gambling and they say things like, Oh, think of all the tax revenues they'll generate. That makes my skin crawl. There's no greater way to get me to be against something than to tell me it's going to generate a lot of tax revenue. That's exactly right. Um, but, but putting that to the side, um, what what I dislike more, though, and I've said this regularly, is this government monopoly, how uh, a few places, I mean, they just handed out the sports betting licenses, the the licenses, the system, the bill that Timoney voted for, that put forward, that Timoney, uh, he, uh, that his... He was championed. That championed yeah. this bill out of the seven places you can go and place a retail bet Churchill Downs owns four mm-hmm. and Red Mile and Keeneland, which is have come together and joined kind of a conglomerate own the other two. And then one company owns one other one. So out of the seven, four of them over half are owned by one horse park. I mean, I get it. I get it. you all wanted to place your bets on, on, on basketball and baseball and, and all those things, and and I'm not here to tear anybody down about it, but I mean, I just I feel like it's one of the most corrupt systems we have, where these few people get a monopoly on it, and everybody's out here celebrating it because they get to put a few bucks down on a basketball game, not thinking about how the state of Kentucky has sold its soul in this process. And the thing that's where it ties into the gray machines. I mean, you know, you know, off offsite betting. I agree 100%. Why would it be tied into the horse industry? You and they're saying that they have the administration and things like that. You know, no. It Yeah, they have the administration. They're the only ones because they have a monopoly on it. That's exactly right. I mean, it just allow like, the average mom and pop uh shop go ahead and make money off of it. And I'm for I, I am 100% for small business. And that's not what Timothy wants. That's not how he's paid. Right. Right. I right. hate to say paid. That's not how he has got contracts. No, no. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no, I mean, when it comes down to it, there's no greater good argument for, I, 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 
just continuing. You could say, <clears throat> if your argument is, is look, we only had this sports betting bill in front of us. It's, you know, I'm okay with sports betting. I think it's ridiculous. People are held up by it, but okay, that's fine. But how can you justify, how can you square this, this circle when you are against gray machines, but for sports betting? What is your principle here? Because sports betting, you want to talk about gambling. I mean, they want to talk about, well, it's off-track gambling. It's destroying communities, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. How can you say that? Well, sports betting, you now are allowed to do through an app on your phone. What's more convenient? Going to the gas station or going onto your phone and placing a bet? Well, I mean, it, it's that that clearly wasn't it. And then they, they sit here. They, and now you got me going. No. They sit here. And then they say, well, that we don't want to reward these gray machines for doing something, quote unquote, illegal. First off, the gray machines were not illegal at all. That's why I had to pass a law. Second, that's why it's called a gray want, machine. That's why it's, it's right gray. there. In the, yeah, uh, in the you know, <laughs> but you want to talk about illegal? You want to cross that road? Then let's cross that road. HHR was illegal, ruled on by the state Supreme Court that it was illegal. They knew it was illegal. They did it anyways. They did it for several years. The state Supreme Court finally put the smack down on and said, no, 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 you can't be doing this. It is clearly against the law. And then the legislature had to pass a law and legalize it. The same thing they were saying the gray machines were doing was literally how the horse industry got HHR in the first place. It's it, follow the dollars. That's all it comes down to. I mean, who's going to fund what candidate? and what politician to go ahead and pass these rules. It's, it's hypocritical. It really is. It really is. And, and that's, I think what drives people crazy. So uh, let's wrap up with this question here. Okay. So one, sure. how can people support? Well, it's going to be a two-parter. Okay. Sure. How can people support you? Well, pray for me. Number one, there you go. Uh, prayer is number one thing that we can do. Number two, you can go ahead to my website. It's TJ4KY. It doesn't matter if it's the number four or spelling out four KY.com and donating because, and you know, because I need, you know, I hate to say this, but politics comes down to money. It really does. I hate to say that. I'll say, I'll say it for you. You ready? Yeah. You ready? There are forces out there that are willing to spend thousands upon millions of dollars to subjugate you and to destroy your life. Are you not willing to give 10 or 20 bucks in order to break free from that in order to buy your freedom back? I mean, I went ahead and uh, I supported Andrew in his last two campaigns and I saw what the establishment tried to do to him. And we worked our butts off and no matter what money matters. It, it just comes down to money matters. You can go ahead and work your work, everything you can with volunteers and things like that. But that's, that's the last thing. I'm sorry. Volunteering to go ahead and knock on doors. And then a follow up here. Okay. So, so people living in the 45th can vote for you. People outside can honestly donate to you and everything else. Now, common Absolutely. thing I was told when I was running for state Senate and I'd ask people for money mm -hmm. was, well, I don't live in your district or I donate to you. Why should it matter to people who don't live in the 45th district what the outcome of this race is? It makes Kentucky better. It, you know, it just comes down to do you want a conservative overall value for Kentucky? 
and do you want results that are conservative? And if you want parental rights, do you want to go ahead and have your kids taken care of? Just vote for me. That's what it comes down to. I mean, and donate. Oh, absolutely. And volunteer. <laughs> I'd love that. Well, TJ Thomas Jefferson, thank you for joining us. Um, that's TJ4KY.com, TJ4KY.com. And make sure you guys donate, help, help the guy out, right? Put your, put your money where your mouth is. Thank you all so, so much for joining us uh, today on the Andrew Kubrider Show. We'll see you next time at 1 o'clock. Have a great rest of your day.